Hello and welcome to the Sabbatarianism podcast. I am Justin. The person across from me right now is Richard Davis. Hello, Richard Davis. Hello, Justin. How are you today? I'm well. How are you? Doing all right? I'm doing okay so far. Yeah. Spring has sprung here in uh, East Texas and it's late February. <laughs> yeah. The trees are blooming and oh man, we, we've had 80 plus degree weather and it's just been beautiful, but it's kind of scary that the trees are going to get hurt from that later on. But Yeah, because that I think that weather's going to change tomorrow. <laughs> Two days of <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Anyway, we appreciate you being here, uh, but we do want to... Public service announcement here. Uh, please, please don't let anything come in between you and your personal reading and your personal relationship with God. That is the most important thing. No podcast, no sermon can ever replace your time alone with God and in His Word alone. So start with that. Please read the Bible for yourself. And if you are just starting the podcast, if you're new to this, Please begin in the beginning of the podcasts. There are several episodes where we cover some big arching concepts, uh, one of them 13 episodes long, uh, that we will reference as we go and, and we talk to each other in the podcast, and we can't explain that every time as we go. So if you'll just start in the beginning and work your way back up to here, uh, I think it will benefit you greatly. Public service announcement over. So, Richard, uh, last we left off, we were in the book of John, of course, and we left off with chapter 14. And refresh everybody's memory, you had, you had intimated in the last uh, podcast that several chapters here, I believe it was 12 through 16? Uh, well, 13, absolute, actually through 17, you would say, but especially through 16, uh, Jesus is actually talking to his disciples about the difference that they will encounter in the new covenant when the Holy Spirit is given and their understanding becomes, becomes and it's a different relationship than what was officially given to Israel in the Sinai covenant, how that spirit will flow through them, through him, the Father, uh, their ex, his expectation the sign that they're his true disciples and not circumcision anymore, but the what Paul called the cross of Christ, which is to lay down your life for one another. And their agape love for yes, one another. That's right. As one as he's laid down his life for them. Everything in these chapters is very fundamental spiritually. It's not just about obeying a law so that you're legal. It's about how God's law is really to be applied in love, a spirit of true, godly, agape love toward one another. And as we'll see here, he, he'll tell them, well, we'll just read right in. He goes over it once again here in chapter 15, how God's laws are, are then integrated into this new relationship. And like I've said, I think in the last podcast that, First, second, and third John can be read right here with these these chapters, because in those books they of explain John, each other. Yes, yeah, he fleshes out more about what he's talking about here and how it works. Okay, all right. So you want to start off here with uh, chapter fifteen? Okay, chapter fifteen, verse one. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. 
Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. So that's a different difference in the former covenant. You needed to go wash physical water in order to be clean in, in that covenant. Here, that word of God and that spirit of God that's going to come on you is, is the thing that begins to cleanse you spiritually. I would also offer that to prune a fruit tree means you take off the, the unwanted or the bad branches that, yeah. are, that are on a particular branch so that it, it bears better fruit. Yes. In other words, he's doing, managing your life and working with your life and seeing how you respond. Cleaning if, you up. If you don't bear any fruit, then he'll take you away. Yep. Abide in me, verse 4, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself without that Christ in us, mm-hmm. unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my word abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. As the father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. And all of those, I've, I've looked up the translation here, all of those are agape. Yes. And he. this is one of the things that in First John, especially there in end of chapter 3 and chapter 4, he fleshes this out. You abide in my love. You purify yourself by keeping God's laws. I mean, it takes. It's a symbiotic relationship where he is in you, and you are in him, and by that spirit that he puts in you, and by your willingness to respond to it, and to see the good in God's commandments and His laws and how they fit in our lives, you grow, you bear fruit, you do something with it. It's not just what you know. And abiding in Him would mean this keeping of the commandments and. Being in relationship with him. Just as he is in a unified relationship with his father. Right. He's making that comparison. Here. Right. As the father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. So, in other words, you do not abide in God's love unless you see the value and the glory and the good in his commandments. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. 
No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I've called you friend for all things that I heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you that you love one another. And I'm just going to say I didn't want to stop right in the middle of it, but over in First John, or in his letters there, John talks more about the commandment that you had from the beginning. Now, other people will say, well, that's a, here's the beginning right here is what he's talking about, and that's different than Sinai commandments. Well, that's just lie. I mean, even in the context in the book of John, First John, he says, talks about when Cain killed Abel. Mm-hmm. The commandments of God are the same. They've always been the same. They always will be the same. And that's where he fleshes out more of what he's talking about here. You can't want to do away with any of God's law and still abide in God in the way that you should. And really the the command is, and he said it here twice, to love one another, to agape mm-hmm. one another. But the real command with Abraham Mm-hmm. And and everyone else is obey my voice. That's true. Whatever I say. That's true. But he does then say in First John, uh, a new commandment I give you that you love one another as I have loved you. So there right. is that's the Holy Spirit element that is added in the new covenant or in Christ. Okay. That Christ dwelling in you is different than just the commandments that have always been. So in there he'll say. In that chapter, he says, it's not a new commandment. It's an old commandment we had from the beginning, and yet there is a new commandment. So he's adding to the already existing, which is actually an older one that he's just bringing back into the the mix. Well, he's adding a spiritual element. The spirit of the the tree of life has come back in. That's exactly what it is that those people in former times had rejected. But... We're to keep God's commandments in the same way that our father Abraham did back in Genesis 26, 5. Uh, At the foot of the mountain, the Israelites messed up the relationship they shared with him. And I would point out the commandment was still the same there at the foot of the mountain. Yeah. Obey my voice, and I will be your God. Well, that was the original covenant in chapter 19 of Exodus, not chapter 24. Right, We've been through that. The original covenant is in 19, which no one seems to want to acknowledge. Anyway, let's go to verse 18 here. If the world hates you, and you know that it hated me before it hated you, if you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the the world hates you. Let me just pause and say, folks are going to have to, be a little patient with my reading right now. I'm missing words or not seeing yeah. it. I'm scheduled to get some new eyeballs put right. in here in my <laughs> cataract surgery, but I'm I'm doing the best with the double vision that yeah. I see. <laughs> well, if you want me to read, just let I, me know. If it gets too bad, I will. Okay. Verse 20, remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my namesake, because they do not know him who sent me. 
If I had come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for they sin. Big difference. Okay, there, there's something. I think we were in the conversation on the past Sabbath day about that principle. If Christ had not directly tried to enlighten them, they wouldn't be held in judgment for that. But since he did, then they have no excuse. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But now they have seen, and they also, and that, and also both hated, hated both me and my father. But this happened that the word might be fulfilled, which is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. And I would just say, I, I don't know exactly what that Greek word is in there in, uh, for law. But he said, they hated me without a cause. That's a, that's a quote from the book of Psalms. And Christ is calling that part of their law, uh, of the law. The Greek word is nomos, law through the idea of perspective perspective usage, generally, specifically of Moses, including the volume. Okay. And he refers to the law. He's not just referring to the Pentateuch, or the first books of the Bible that Moses wrote. Okay, verse 30, verse 26. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, that's the Spirit he's talking about. The Helper. The helper who proceeds from the father, he will testify of me or it will testify of me. But you also will bear witness because they have been with me from the you have been with me from the beginning. These things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. They will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. And these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. But they, to, Let's pause there. I think okay. this is a better place to put a chapter break right here after chapter uh, 3. But okay. anyway, um, I think verse 2 is a really important thing. They will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. Yes. That speaks directly to the incredible ability of our enemy to deceive us into believing his desires. What he wants is actually a work of God. Yes. That's what he does. He doesn't come to us and try to get us to be evil and to like evil things. He comes to us to convince us that his evil ways are actually good. Just like Isaiah said, they will think that good is evil and evil is good. Yeah. That's what that's what he's doing here. So mm -hmm. uh, that's a really important verse for me. Yeah. And the reason they do these things is because they have not known the Father nor right. me. Therefore, there's no real spirit, uh, spirit, f spiritual foundation in them, even though they profess to worship God. Right. That describes... They, he comes yeah. as an angel of light. He comes saying he is God. Yes. And that his ways are the right way. Right. But these things I have told you, that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning, because I was with you. 
Now, he's beginning to talk about the spirit of truth that he's going to send, which is one of the attributes of the Holy Spirit that's going to open their minds and their eyes to things that even at this period of time that he's speaking, they don't quite comprehend yet. Because when he's gone, they're going to be fearful. Yeah. And he's trying to tell them here, I'm going to send a helper. Yes. But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. And if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he comes, or it comes, it will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin, because they do not believe in me of righteousness, because I go to my Father, and you see me no more, of judgment, because the ruler of the world is judged. And that's talking about Satan and his minions. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when it, the spirit of truth, has come, it will guide you into all truth, for it will speak on its own authority. But whatever it hears, it will speak, and it will tell you these things to come. It will glorify me, for it will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that it will take of mine and declare it to you. So whatever the Father... The works of the Spirit. That's right. That's exactly this right. This is what it's, the Spirit is going to do, how it's going to help you. It's going to open your mind to truth. It's going to begin to change your nature as you respond to it and to purify that old man that's in us. And there's just a lot, volumes of, of uh, things about what yeah. it does in, mm-hmm. in the New Testament. A little while, and you will not see me, and again a little while, and you will see me, because I go to the Father. Then some of his disciples said among themselves, What is this that he says to us? A little while, and you will not see me, and again a little while, and you will see me, and because I go to the Father. They said, Therefore, what is this that he says a little while? We do not know what he's saying. Now Jesus knew that they desired to ask him, and he said to them, Are you inquiring among yourselves about what I said? A little while you will not see me, and again a little while you will see me. Most assuredly, I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice and you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. A woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come, but as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been brought into the world. Therefore, You now have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and your joy no one will take away from you. It's hard to read sometimes when you're seeing double. (laughs) (laughs) And in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. I would offer there that if you're asking the father for a Ferrari in the name of the Messiah, that's not what he is I don't think speaking so. about here. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, that's there's a lot of other texts concerning that. 
Yeah. That's a study in and of itself. These things I have spoken to you in figurative language, that the time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I shall pray the Father for you, for the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and I have believed that I and have believed that I come forth. I came forth from the Father and have come into the world, and again I leave the world and go to the Father. You know, he, there he's revealing the fact that our excess, we now have a relationship directly to the Father, not just through him and what he says. But, but we still got to come to the Father through him. That's the absolutely. route. That's the only way to have that excess. Right. Yes. His disciples said to him, See, now you are speaking plainly and using no figure of speech. Now we are sure that you know all things and have no need that anyone should question you. By this we believe that you came forth from God. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Question. Yes. Almost sarcasm, I would <laughs> yeah. imagine. Indeed, the hour is coming, yet has now come that you will be scattered each to his own and will leave me alone. And yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Okay, now we're getting to chapter 17, which is the true Lord's Prayer. You know, we have that model prayer we call the Lord's Prayer. That was in Matthew a, a, and Luke. Yeah, a yeah. model where Jesus is giving them basic instructions on the methods to pray. But here, these are truly the words of Christ as he prayed for us, his followers, directly to the Father. Hmm. Chapter 17, verse 1. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven, and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son also may glorify you, as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you, before the world began. I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They're yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have known all things which you have given me are they have known that all things which you have given me are from you, for I have given to them the words which you have given me, and they have received them have known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, that, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours, and all things are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you, Holy Father. Keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, I have kept, and none of them is lost 
except the son of perdition, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the word world has hated them because they're not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but they should, you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. And there he tells us that, lets us know that if we are really truly on track with God and in this relationship, we're going to be hated by the world as a whole that is not. Yeah. And don't be surprised by it. Uh, there's a lot of... There's a lot in this chapter. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. I would also ask, though, uh, the son of perdition. Paul also uses that same terminology. Uh, none of them is lost except the son of perdition. Is that speaking of Satan, or is that speaking of Judas Iscariot? Speaking of Judas Iscariot. Okay. He's talking about not losing any that God the Father had given, given him, him up right. to that point. Yes. Right. Uh, that's right. Verse 20, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's us. That they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you. That they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one, just as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am and that they may behold my glory which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you. And these have known that you sent me, and I have declared to them your name, and will declare it that the love with which you love me may be in them, and I in them. Yeah, I would, I would first point out that this was very conversational. Mm -hmm. This was not a ceremonial type prayer. It, it, he's speaking to his father and his disciples all in one. Yes, he's, he's speaking to the Father so that they can hear it. Right. And he's describing the unity of a relationship that we are supposed to have through Jesus Christ with him and God the Father. And each other. And each other, how you become one. Yeah. But it, it, it just struck me as you were reading there that this is conversational. It's... It's different than, I guess, some perceptions of what prayer is. I mean, he's he's just speaking to his father here. Yes, as if he's as if the father's standing right there with him. Well, that's right. Yeah, that's the best prayer. Yeah, just to have a heart to heart with God. And it's not vain repetition, and it's not begging and pleading, and 
it, it's just a conversation as if he's right there. As you would speak to your father. Right. From your heart. Right. Yes. Okay. Chapter 18. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples over the brook Kidron, where there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. And Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place. For Jesus often met there with his disciples. Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he, or I am. Mm-hmm. Actually, the he, he is, is in Italian. Yeah. Yep. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with him. Now, when he said to them, I am, they drew back and fell to the ground. Hmm. And he asked them again, Whom are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way, that the saying might be fulfilled which he spoke. Of those whom you gave me, I have lost none. So this is John saying that the saying might be fulfilled which he spoke, and then he quotes the Messiah there. That's right. Just wanted to point that out. That none of the rest of them are going to be lost in this. Yep. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into the sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? Then the detachment of troops and the captains and officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. And they led him away to Annas first, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. Now it was Caiaphas who advised the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. And Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Now that disciple was known to the high priest and went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door outside. Then the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to her who kept the door and brought Peter in. Then the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, You are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the servant and the officers who had made a fire of coals stood there, for it was cold, and they warmed themselves. But Peter stood with them and warmed himself. Do we know if it's John that is the disciple? Yes, it's it's assumed assumed, that it's John, because when he he talks of himself... In that way. In that way, in the third person. The disciple whom Jesus loved. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't name himself, but he mentions himself in that way. Verse 19, the high priest then asked Jesus about his disciples and his doctrine. Jesus answered him, I spoke openly to the world. I always taught in the synagogues and in the temple where the Jews always meet. And in secret, I've said nothing. Why do you ask me? Ask those who heard me what I said to them. Indeed, they know what I said. And when he had said these things, one of the officers who stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand saying, Do you answer the high priest like that? And Jesus answered him, If I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why do you strike me? 
if I've done nothing, then why do you strike me? Yeah, he spoke the truth. Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. Therefore they said to him, You are not also one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of him whose ear Peter had cut off, said, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter then denied again, and immediately a rooster crowed. Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas to the praetorium, and it was early morning. But they themselves did not go out into the praetorium, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. Pilate then went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered and said to him, If he were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him up to you. Then Pilate said to them, You take him and judge him according to your law. Therefore the Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death, that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spoke, signifying by what death he would die. Then Pilate entered the praetorium again, called Jesus, and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Are you speaking for yourself about this, or did others tell you this concerning me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and your chief priests have delivered me to you you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews, but to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, are you a king then? Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I might bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him at all. But you have a custom that I should release someone to you at the Passover. Do you therefore want me to release to you the king of the Jews? <laughs> then they all cried out, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Something interesting here in, in verse 31. Uh, then Pilate said to them, You take him and judge him according to your law. And therefore the Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. Well, <laughs> they're... Everything That's about, deceptive right there because it is in their law that you can put it just over and over. Well, everything about what they did in his trial is was, deceitful. Was unlawful. Right. Everything about it was unlawful. It wasn't done right, wasn't done correctly within the law. And they operated outside of their law in order to put it off on the Romans. But the scriptures say that they bear the greater guilt because they're the ones who did it. Well, and right here, the Romans said, I find no fault in him. I want to let him go. Yeah. So, that shows the, the yeah. politics and deceitfulness. Yeah. Nothing new. Chapter 19. Pilate took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe. Then they said, Hail, King of the Jews, and they struck him with their hands. Pilate then went out again and said to them, Behold, I am bringing him out to you, 
that you may know that I find no fault in him. Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said to them, Behold the man. Therefore, when the chief priests and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, You take him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. Again. Yeah, again. They, they, wanted, yep. they wanted the Romans to do it. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to our law he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. Therefore, when Pilate heard that saying, he was the more afraid, and went again into the praetorium and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then Pilate said to him, Are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have power to crucify you and power to release you? Jesus answered, You could have no power at all against me unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, the one who delivered me to you, speaking of the Jews, has the greater sin. There it is, yeah. From then on, Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, saying, If you let this man go, you're not Caesar's friend. Whoever makes himself a king speaks against Caesar. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus out and sat down in the judgment seat in the place that's called the pavement, but in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now it was the preparation day of the feast of the Passover, and about the sixth hour, And he said to the Jews, Behold your king. But they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. Then he delivered him to them to be crucified. Then they took Jesus and led him away. And he, being bearing his cross, went out to a place called the place of the skull, which is called in Hebrew. Hebrew, Golgotha, where they crucified him, and two others with him, one on either side and Jesus in the center. Now Pilate drew a title and put it on the cross, wrote a title and put it on the cross, and the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Then many of the Jews read this title, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. Therefore the chief priest of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but he said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts, to each soldier a part, and also the tunic. Now the tunic was without seam, woven from the top in one piece. They said, Therefore among themselves, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it. Whose shall it be that the scripture might be fulfilled, which says, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Therefore the soldiers did these things. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things are now accomplished, that the Spirit might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop, and put it on his mouth. 
So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Therefore, because it was the preparation day, that the bodies should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day. That wasn't the weekly Sabbath. It was... Uh, that day was a the, Sabbath the, because the, it was a high day. Yeah, the first day of unleavened bread. Right. The Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and the other who was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. The breaking of the legs. That's how they was, killed him. Yeah, so that they would all the weight would be on the extended hands, which would cause them to suffocate. Okay. But one of the soldiers, should say, had pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water had come out. And he who was sent, he who has seen has testified, and his testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth so that you may believe. For these things are done that the Scripture should be fulfilled. Not one of his bones shall be broken. And again, another scripture says, they shall look on him whom they pierced. So verse 35, and he who is seen has testified, and his testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth. He's speaking about himself again yes. here. He's saying, yes. I was there. I saw, I saw, I saw this. It. Yeah. He was he was pierced with a spear and killed by, by shed blood, and his bones weren't broken. Going back up to uh, verse 21, there again, who is it? This the chief priests say to him, don't write he is the king of the Jews. Write he said he was the king of the Jews. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) They're again lying. Verse 38. After this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took the body of Jesus, and Nicodemus, who was first came to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds. Then they took the body of Jesus and bound it in strips of linen with the spices, as the custom of the Jews is to bury. And now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So there they laid Jesus because of the Jews' preparation day, for the tomb was nearby. All right, I think we're going to leave it off here. Um, We're a couple chapters short. We could probably make it within an hour, but we've decided what we're going to do is uh, go ahead and take these two chapters next week, and then I think we're going to roll right into the epistles of John and and allow Richard to kind of bring out some of the things that he was speaking about, about, about those epistles relating to these chapters, the 13 through 17. So we thank you for your listenership, and we hope to have you back next time, and we'll talk to you then. Bye-bye.